All right, everybody. Welcome back. Episode 22. Andy, we're almost at six months of doing this. How the heck are you? You know, I don't know about you, but I'm really feeling 22 with this 22nd <laughs> episode. I am so ready. We've had a great weekend of sports. Uh, uh. Our Michigan State won in the opening uh, of the NCAA tournament. So we are moving on to the Sweet 16, how sweet yes, it is. Um, so it's been a pretty, pretty decent weekend for sports. Um, I yeah. know we have, we got our basketball, uh, but we're here for the soccer. And I think you had a very, very good, uh, oh, sports weekend, yeah. Paul. Oh yeah. The, the champagne has been flowing over here, Andy, all day yesterday between Barcelona, between Michigan State basketball, mm. Michigan being eliminated from the NIT. I mean, oh, I didn't even know just, that. Ah, yes. losers. Oh, man. I <laughs> bet they, wish, that, yeah. they gave up like a six-point lead in the last minute and a half to lose. <laughs> oh, that that makes it even better. Oh, my gosh. I bet uh, they wish they were uh, UNC right now and just wish that they could decline the invite. Uh, yeah. But you know what? They get what they deserve. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? They had levels to it. Oh man, I don't know. I'm I'm losing it. It's great. <laughs> We're gonna have a great podcast today. Heck yeah, I'm so ready for it. All oh right. man. All right. Okay. Well, let's just dive headfirst into Barcelona, Andy. Heck yeah, let's do it, man. I can't we, wait to hear it. We had El Clasico round four. Like this is going back to the Ronaldo Messi days where mm-hmm. Real Madrid and Barcelona would play each other five six times in a season between Champions League, Copa del Rey, regular season. Super Copa, mm-hmm. like just nuts. So Glorious. we had round four this weekend, and Barcelona feeling pretty good. They had Ronald Araujo back from his suspension. Nice. They were supposed to have Pedri Pedri train last week, but wasn't quite feeling 100%. So Xavi was like, hey, you know, if you don't feel 100%, sit out. It's not like this is a cup final or anything. Just relax. So mm-hmm. Pedri did not play. Dembele is... That's a, a whole other situation, which we'll get into in a couple minutes. We referred to it a little bit last week. but um, So Barcelona started Sergio Roberto in the midfield. A little bit of a shock there over Kessier, but mm-hmm. he started. Barcelona went with their four midfielder lineup, and off the get-go, Andy, it looked not great. Vinicius Jr. in the ninth, tenth minute drove down the left-hand side, cut the ball back, tried to cross it to Benzema. It ricocheted off of Ronald Araujo's head, went in between Ter Stegen and the near post, glanced off the the near post, hit the inside of the far post and into the net yeah. for an own goal. That's just that's just unlucky. Like I yes. I, can't, I looked at it and I can't think of anything else but besides unlucky. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't believe it. Yeah, extremely unlucky, and it's the first goal Barcelona have given up in open play at home in 2023. Yikes! But well, honestly, in, pretty good. In the pretty league. good. In, yeah, in the league. Yeah, I mean, great for their as a defensive stat, just to show that it took a very freak goal for them to finally like open up the open up their uh, defense a bit. Uh, yeah, but yeah, holy cow! And and honestly, it was against the run of play. Barcelona had been threatening on the other end, and after that goal, Barcelona still settled into the game, was dominating possession. And we're looking like Barcelona. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm not worried. Because even if Barcelona loses this game somehow, Barcelona is only going to be down – or sorry, it's only going to be up six points. And, you know, I'm like, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Barcelona's looking good. They're not looking scared. And honestly, I think it kind of woke Barca up a little bit because before that, I think they were kind of playing for the draw. 
Okay. Because Barcelona only needed a draw. Barcelona is yeah. nine points clear at this point. If they draw, they're still very much in the driver's seat. A loss mm-hmm. make thing, makes things a little bit more shaky, but still six points up, which is still a good lead at this point in the season, right? Definitely. So the Barcelona keep chipping away, chipping away, creating chances and start to look more like the more dangerous team like they had all game. And then with one of the last kicks of the first half, a cross from Lewandowski across all the defenders, it falls to Rafinha who whiffs on a one-time attempt. And then I think it's Kunde picks it up, crosses it back into the box. It falls to Rafinha again who shoots. It goes off of a Real Madrid defender, falls to Sergio Roberto who takes one touch uh, to settle the ball and then passes it into the back of the net past Courtois with the last kick of the first half. Wow. Great goal. 1-1. Yeah. Barcelona's going nuts. Full momentum going into halftime. Yes. Perfect perfect time to score that second yes. goal right in halftime. Make it tie it up again. And also, like, with Real Madrid, you know, probably thinking they maybe scored a little bit too early with that yes. uh, goal, too, because it's hard to have a hold-on set lead for that long. Yes. Yes, and then so Barcelona had 54% of the of the possession in the first half, and then they come out in the second half, and they are just passing the ball around Madrid. Madrid mm. can barely get a touch of the ball in the first part of the second half. Yep. Barcelona are dominating. They're just like, you know, you can't score if you can't get the ball. Classic True. Barcelona. True. And then Real Madrid makes some changes. Xavi doesn't really respond, and the game starts to open up. This is like probably in the 70th to 75th minute. Okay. And Real Madrid starts stretching the game and starts stretching their players. And in, I believe it was the 85th or 86th minute, um, oh, his name. It's the Spain international. It's not Isco. It's Marco Asensio. Yes. There it is. Yes. Marco Asensio comes on and a few minutes later, the ball falls to him on a cross and he puts it in the back of the net. And I'm like, oh boy, 2-1, that's probably the game. It's too late in the game for Barcelona to get an equalizer. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a fight for the league at the end of the season, right? But then, hold on, the referee says, puts his finger to his ear, indicating that the VAR is checking it. And I'm like, oh man. And honestly, Andy, I think if you're going to sum up Barcelona's league campaign this season, you can just, you can sum it up in six letters. T H E. V A R. <laughs> VAR, FC, FC VAR, as yes. United was called a couple of years ago, or as VAR United. Uh, um, but honestly, like, hey, that's the, that's the letter of the law. If they're offsides, yeah. they're offsides in, in the buildup. So. Yeah. I don't know if you have seen the pictures, but the offside is like inches. Oh, It is literally inches, but he was offside. Yeah, that's and tough. we we drew some lines, and Asensio was offside just barely. The goal is called back, and the game it continues to be stretched. It is open back and forth because Real Madrid are taking chances, and Barcelona's like, well, if I mean, if you're going to give us chances, we're going to counterattack too. Mm-hmm. So Barcelona has some chances. Lewandowski has a chance at a sister kick that he pushes over top of the goal because he doesn't hit it quite right. Rafinha has a chance where he gets out in front and plays a ball, tries to play a ball to Lewandowski that the defender just barely gets a toe on. And it's it's back and forth. Benzema has a chance where he's by himself towards the top of the 18 and has a clear shot on goal and hits it right at Ter Stegen. Oof. So it's, it's going back and forth. But yeah. then 
great stuff if you're a it's, neutral oh, just yeah. in the end-to-end beautiful oh, stuff it was it was beautiful it was beautiful to watch and me i'm watching michigan state basketball at the same time that barcelona is happening on one of my computer one of my tv your heart paul that would like call, give me an aneurysm watching <laughs> those two teams i'm watching my like favored uh soccer team and michigan state at the same time oh my gosh i i had to watch i had to watch <laughs> both live like so i'm, I'm watching both and you know, it's one of those things where when you know Barcelona's passing the ball around and not doing anything with the ball, the announcers are just kind of talking about whatever. So you can kind of focus mm-hmm. on the basketball and then you hear one of them get excited. And so mm-hmm. you look back at the soccer game. So I'm just, I'm tr- trying to watch both out of the corner of my eyes. But Gavi breaks, gets the ball up to Lewandowski on the left side, who is kind of broken free. Lewandowski will do this. Well, he'll kind of float between the center attacking position and the left side, sometimes the, r- the right side, but mostly between the the, the center and the left, because Barcelona at this point doesn't really have a true attacking player on the left side. Sure. Yeah. So he, he floats over there, and he makes a defender – Actually, two defenders engage with him, and as with his back to the goal, he plays a beautiful back heel pass to Balde. Oh yeah, who has come up from his his left back position. Balde gets into the eighteen and then hesitates and looks up, and he sees Ansu Fati has made a run to the near post, and Franck Cassier has kind of held back more towards the back post, more towards the top of the eighteen. He picks out a beautiful ball on the ground to Cassier, who one. One times opens his hips up and just passes it in, it just inside the far post. Barcelona oh, yes. go up two one in the ninety second minute, and I'm freaking out. <laughs> yeah, absolute pandemonium has to ensue from that. Yes. Holy cow! Just from going from losing from losing the game to now having it still be tied to then going back to that actually winning the game, getting all three points. Holy cow! Yeah, what a feeling. Yeah. Frank Cassier goes nuts. Everyone goes nuts. He goes into the crowd. He might be celebrating with his family. I don't really know. The announcers didn't say anything. It could have been his family. I don't know. But the crowd's going crazy. It's it's pandemonium. Barcelona go on to win 2-1. We have fans singing Campeones, which for those of you who don't speak Spanish, is champions in Spanish, even though the league is not won yet. But 12 points clear at this point of the season is almost insurmountable, mm-hmm. especially when you don't play the team that's in second place anymore the rest of the season in league play. So Xavi had a quote where, hey, the league's not won yet, but I totally understand the fans, the fans singing Campeones in the streets. Like, I mm-hmm. get it. Yeah. So, you know, that was great to see. Pedri, it sounds like, is really close to coming back, which is also great to see. And the fact that Barcelona won without needing him is awesome. Mm-hmm. It sounds like I think Barcelona are going to continue the the head games with the French national team. I think they're going to keep Dembélé on the bench, say that he's quote-unquote injured so that he doesn't strain himself and hold him for after the international break, which is coming up here in the next week or so, yep. and hold him for the second leg of the Champions League against Real Madrid. Or the, excuse me, not the Champions League, the Copa del Rey against mm-hmm. Real Madrid. For sure. Yeah. No, it's honestly a smart move probably by uh, Xavi to do that, just to make sure that everyone's everyone's okay. Uh, I yeah. just want to go back on Frank Cassier. Like, he's sure. had kind of a an up-and-down season. Um, so... I guess, like, what were you kind of feeling for him after he scores his goal? Um, do yeah. you feel like he's in, now ingratiated himself more with uh, the Barcelona fans? Is he now, like, a true 
uh, Blue Garaga or Blue Garana. I forget. Bla- Blau Garana. Blau Garana. Yeah, is he a true Blau Garana <laughs> now? Uh, yeah, my Spanish is horrible. Um, as Paul that's, will definitely, uh, I, get I think to. that's, I think that's Catalan, so you're excused. Okay. Well, my Catalan is atrocious. <laughs> so, so is mine. <laughs> Well, um, yeah. To, so, yeah, to answer you your question, Andy, I think it's actually been a slow warming process to to Kessier. I think it's mm-hmm. happened since the Pedri injury. I think we've had to see a lot more Kessier. I think he wasn't really a, a core part of the team until that point. But I think the fans have slowly started to embrace him because, honestly, he plays hard. He is a very physical midfielder, which... You know, it, he's, he's like Gavi, but he's bigger, he's taller and he's stronger than Gavi, right? Gavi's like 5'8, mm-hmm. 5'9. Like he's a small, he's a small player, but he plays like with the tenacity of a pit bull, right? Sure. We've talked about these kind of players before, like a Rodrigo DePaul, like a Bruno Fernandez, like not your necessarily most genetically freakish midfielders, right? But who are going right. to influence the game any way they can, right? right? Kessie is different in the fact that he's, he's bigger, he's more, he's more solid. He's harder to get off the ball. And I think the Barcelona fans have slowly warmed up to him because he had a really slow start to, mm-hmm. to his Barcelona career. He didn't really find a fit in the team. He wasn't really in the team. He was barely coming on as a sub, but I think Xavi started to turn to him out of necessity when he was losing Gavi to suspension, when he's lost Pedri to injury. Yeah. I think the fans were slowly like, okay, this guy can play. Right. And we mm-hmm. knew he could play with his, with his time in the Italian league. Right. In, in Serie A. Yeah. But I think he's finally, you know, this was his first La Liga goal and what a great time to have it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the fans have just finally started to warm up to him. And it's hard, you know, playing for a team like Barcelona, playing for a team like Manchester United, these top European teams, if you're not on your A game every single game, you're going to hear it from the fans. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just, it, it's, it's hard because these players are human. Mm-hmm. They're human, and these these fans, us included, expect their A game. They're expected to be S tier. Mm-hmm. I just learned that this week, by the way. Throwing that in there, S tier. S tier. Okay. Um, it's I'll used in the, it's used in like the Japanese Korean grading system. It's like above A. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. So then it's S. Yeah, then it's definitely S tier, where it's like yeah. it is. It is no fault. It's like you're gonna have yeah. one fault and get an A, but in our clubs. You have to be pinnacle cream of the crop. You know, it's why a lot of players don't, they may come to the club for a little bit and then they don't have it and they immediately get sent away or should get probably sent away because that's how high the standards are at our clubs. So yeah. Yeah. So seeing Frank have that, hoping that gives him some, some belief because honestly in stories, stories like this, like, if you look back down the line, how critical that goal is going to be, even for himself to like weave that story. Uh, cause El Clasico is more, obviously it's more than just a game. It's more than just Real yeah. Madrid versus, uh, Barcelona. This is, this is grander. This is a cultural phenomenon that happens at least twice a year. So yeah. like it's something that is steeped in that lore. Um, and putting himself in that in some way. Um, is is huge for him. So yeah, yeah. It sounds like like you're saying. It sounds like he's slowly slowly getting that burn. And hopefully, getting into more of a simmer now. Yeah, and it, it's honestly it's bragging rights, right? You know, if you look at it, Barcelona have beat Real Madrid three out of four games this season, and the mm-hmm. one that they that they lost it was the most 
or was the least significant. Yep. Yeah. Of of the four. It was an early season game in a game where Barcelona wasn't fully healthy, still didn't quite have their mesh together, but Barcelona have won three in a row against Real Madrid. And they have yeah. the chance to win and or draw and move on in the Copa del Rey in their fourth sorry, their fifth game mm-hmm. of El Clasico this season. I mean, it it's huge. Yeah. I mean, it this this impact that Xavi has had cannot be underestimated. Absolutely. The, yeah. The fact that if you look back a month ago, two months ago, even more so when Xavi was eliminated from the Champions League, when Xavi was eliminated from the Europa League, the fans were calling for his head. And mm-hmm. you know, we talked about it in the podcast here. Yeah. I was saying everyone chill out, right? Like, yeah, we want to get to the point where we're having European success, but that is not where we are yet. Yeah. And and if you look at it, Barcelona in Barcelona's group, two of the, the the two teams that advanced out of Barcelona's group in the Champions League are now in the final eight. Yeah, which is yeah, that is pretty Wait. pretty impre- pretty impressive even just like from Barcelona's end of like, you know, tough getting out and this isn't a vintage Barcelona side. So, yeah. they're having to scrap, they're having to be more of a probably more of a squad more so than a team, I would say. Yeah. In in that sense. So, yeah, yeah they're they're going through it, but having these games, I can only imagine is just ingratiating the fans and ingratiating the players even more to Xavi when if he's gone in this full full year I think he I don't know if he he's managed before and managed a full yeah, year it was, before it was a half year he was a, a half, half year last year okay yeah so his first full year he's able to beat the main rival three out of four times in all these competitions you know yeah that's that's huge because that means both like he's a t- he's tactically astute um and he's getting you the getting you the goods of winning uh winning the league winning la liga um yeah. so that's that's great for his resume that's good for his confidence it gets again that buy-in and it gets there's a narrative that's happening now that you know xavi is succeeding he's beating and you know what else can happen with this so yeah 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 it's and, very interesting stuff you know you look at it Barcelona losing to Inter Milan and Bayern Munich in the Champions League, two teams that are in the final eight, and Barcelona losing to Manchester United, who is probably at this point the favorite to win the Europa League. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about it, you're looking at the top, based on their results, the top eight teams in Europe right now, and one of the top teams who didn't have the chance to play Champions League football in Manchester United, it's like... Yeah, Barcelona is not the best team in Europe. We have seen this. We know this. When we started doing this podcast back in October, Andy, I was like, mm-hmm. Barcelona's not even, like, what, top 10, not even yeah. top 15, maybe top 20, right, in in leagues in or er, in teams in Europe. So, yeah, it makes sense that we have lost to top European competition. But mm-hmm. as as we've talked about all year, we have to win the league, and Barcelona is in a great position to do that. Barcelona is going to have the chance to beat a reeling at this point, reeling Real Madrid in the mm-hmm. Copa del Rey semifinal second leg. Yeah, and it, like I said, if Barcelona win the league, that's that's their priority number one. If Barcelona come out with the Copa del Rey this year, huge, right? Yep. And Barcelona have already won the Supercopa, so Barcelona will have won three of the four, if you count Europa League, five championships that they had the chance to win this year. That yeah. is huge. Yeah. Because it means, like, yeah, trophies mean trophies mean buy-in. Trophies mean as a manager, you have more leeway, you have more say. Yeah. But it also means like 
there is proof that you are instilling a winning mentality. So Xavi getting all these is building up to something. And again, like, are either of our teams where we want them to actually be? No, because we want them to be both winning the league and then vying for Champions Leagues um, and facing off at each other in Champions League finals. That's where we want our teams to be. But right now we're yeah. not at that point. Right. Um, but honestly, it just makes it a little bit more exciting because I think for both of our teams, there is very genuine, tangible evidence that our teams are getting better and are maybe, I don't know if it's to, to say a little bit ahead of schedule, but they're overperforming expectations, which is yeah. just great to see. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Real Madrid last year, Real Madrid was an extremely dominant team. Barcelona was not expected to win the league this year. Barcelona wasn't mm-hmm. expected to win anything this year. Right, right. And they already have one title. They almost are guaranteed La Liga. I mean, don't count any chicken jet, but they would have to really royally mess it up. Mm-hmm. And they're in a great spot to win the Copa del Rey. I mean, like yeah. like you said, both of our clubs are in really good spots, I think, performing ahead of schedule. Real Madrid, or Real Madrid, Manchester United have also already won a title this year. I want to hear, I could go on and on about Barcelona for another 20 minutes, so I'm <laughs> going to stop myself. I want to hear about Manchester United and their Europa League conquest and their oh, crazy <laughs> game against Fulham. I want to hear. Yeah, more. this was, yeah, this is crazy. Um, I kind of want to even just start this off in saying that, you know, United in both of these games, there is a bit of wear and tear, I think, showing. Um, cause one in the Real Betis game, uh, we were able to, uh, able to win one nil victory, uh, to seal the deal against us. I want to say that it was a, it was a one nil victory. Um, but really this was a, um, game that was really kind of cinched up anyway, uh, based on, um, what we had done in, uh, in Old Trafford. So in the home leg, we were able to pull off a four one victory. Um, and we just kept it here to ensure that we advanced. Uh, we will then face a, another uh, team from Spain. Uh, it just seems that like we have this love affair with Spain where we just want to go and try to beat all these Spanish teams, which I find very interesting. We keep getting drawn with uh, Spanish teams in Europa League. Uh, but really, kind of a done and dusted game. Really nothing much to say in terms of you know what happened in the game. Uh, we did start a new... Uh, or a young player in Facundo Palestri. Uh, he looked good. He wasn't horrible, but he wasn't scintillating. Um, he did a good job there. So trying to bleed in uh, some new youth into the side to kind of get some rotation, because I think Erickson Hag is seeing there is a little bit of wear and tear um, coming to United, where we're playing, I think, as of right now, we are playing nine, scheduled to play 19 more games the next team that has the second, the next closest team to us in terms of how many more games they have to play, I think is 10. So looking at um, where we're going next, we have a lot more games to play. We're looking leggy. Um, and you saw that actually in this game against Fulham. Uh, we actually went down initially to Fulham. Um, we just looked like we were kind of all over the place in the box. Uh, even before that, our midfield was looking very disjointed. We didn't have our savior of Casemiro. So our midfield didn't know how to drop in. They didn't know how far to advance. Uh, it's a classic story of when you have attacking players who can defend versus an, a defensive player who can attack. Whereas 
where in this scenario where Casemiro is that defending player who can attack and McTominay and Sabitzer as attacking players who can defend. Um, kind of leading to, uh, Fulham getting the upper hand. They get the first goal, uh, from a, from a corner in the second half. Now, we're amping up a little bit more of the pressure coming around the 50, 60th minute. Um, and then from a, a free kick, I believe, we launch a counterattack. Uh, Anthony has been subbed on and has been put on the right hand side and he is getting at, uh, the right back, uh, from Fulham. But in this, he's breaking away. He spots Sancho making a great run to kind of split the defense. Anthony passes it over to uh, Sancho. Sancho has a one-on-one with the keeper, rounds the keeper, cuts it back on his right foot to make a good solid shot as opposed to trying to scuff it. And he f- curls the ball in, and in comes Willian. Uh, Willian used to play for Chelsea, so we have a little bit of a history when United was uh, competing with Chelsea but now he's at Fulham and he comes and blocks the shot. And your good old buddy VAR, uh, Paul, comes into play because VAR sees that in this time, William not only blocks the ball, but used his hand to stop a goal-bound shot. And it was on the on the goal line, which means it's an instant red if the... Um, referee sees it the second time from VAR. All this chaos ensues because as the referee is walking towards VAR, there's a rule that a manager cannot leave the technical area and get into the box where the referee is watching the VAR replay. Marco Silva, the Fulham manager, does this in this heat of the moment. So immediately... He gets a red card. He's sent out of the game. As soon as um, the referee looks at the VAR, it's like a two-second clip. He's like, oh, immediately, that's a red card. Like, Williams, Williams out. He is walking then over to William to show the red card. And Mitrovic, who is a striker for Fulham, goes over to that ref and was kind of like loitering around initially when he, uh, the referee was looking at VAR. It's kind of loitering around. And when he hears that there's going to be a red card, he tries and touches the referee in like a shove of like, what are you doing pretty aggressively? So what does that mean? That means that immediately after the ref just showed uh, William the red, Mitrovic gets a red for touching a referee, which you're not supposed to do. So in the span of legitimately two minutes, Fulham went from winning the game to now down their manager and two players. And they have given up a penalty because it's a red card in the penalty area. It's a handball in the penalty area. So Bruno slots at home. Huge, huge penalty for him. He didn't do his little jump uh, penalty that he likes to do. Um, puts it I in. Hate, I hate that penalty. That jump penalty. It's like, I yeah. think it's the worst one. It's, I, I can see why players do it, but the problem is that like you have to be absolutely on top of it and any little flinch or any sort of misstep and it's just it's gone because you don't have yeah. any power i yeah. i wouldn't recommend it if i was playing i wouldn't do it um but in this case he didn't do it uh probably because he saw that the ground was a little bit wet and he was like i'm not going to do that i'm like thank you so <laughs> that happens two minutes later uh we're on the attack shaw passes it 
or no, sorry, Sancho passes it to an overlapping Shaw. Shaw puts it across, and Marcel Sabitzer does a real nifty, like, flick touch with a, like, spin, pirouette flick touch. Um, it was a really, really pretty goal. So that happened, again, maybe two minutes after the penalty. So, like, in the span of about three or four minutes, Fulham went from winning the game to now losing the game. It was just an absolute pandemonium of emotion that Fulham wasn't able to to see this out um, and really saved United blushes because United was not good in this game. So with that, we're advancing. We're advancing to the semifinal. We're going back to Wembley uh, to face Brighton. Um, United will face uh, Sevilla, I think, in the Europa League. And honestly, this uh, international break could not come soon enough for some of our players because we desperately need a break because uh, not saying the wheels are falling off, but there's it's looking a little bit shaky uh, as we're as we're going around. So yeah, that was that was United's kind of weekend. Um, very pandemonium infused, but a little bit more more on another side's uh, pandemonium. So with that, Paul, we also got uh, games around the league because the pandemonium did not stop, and it definitely didn't mm-hmm. stop in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I mean, Bayern. Were <clears throat> excuse me, Bayern were looking like the leaders of the Bundesliga, looked like they were going to continue their dominant ways, but Bayern Leverkusen stepped up to the task and upset them two to one in a comeback fashion, and honestly looked like the better team throughout the ninety minutes when they won the game two to one, and now Bayern are looking up at Borussia Dortmund from second place because Dortmund took care of Colm 6-1, taking a one-point lead, and yeah, I mean, we, got a race. we have a fight. We it's, got a race. It, we have a race, and the Bundesliga in recent years have not really been a race. Byron has continued to run away with it later in the season, but Andy, don't sleep on Union Berlin just yet. They're only five <laughs> points back at the leaders, and any slip-ups could see Union Berlin slowly climbing back towards yeah. that number one spot. Hey, there is, I think in the Premier League, there's 11 games left. That's more than enough time to lose two two games, either in a row or to slip up against two games. So it's it's all up to play for. Really excited that there, yeah. is, there is a race in there. Um, yes, not so much definitely. in Spain, but there is something <laughs> in the in the top four happening. Yeah, I mean, as we mentioned, Barcelona are now 12 points clear of Real Madrid. Fans are chanting campeones. There are celebrations that are premature at this point, but slowly could become not premature in the coming weeks. But Atletico Madrid beat Villarreal over the weekend. They continued to keep pace for that top four spot. They're sitting solidly in third place, but a slip up from them could see them slip out of the top four if they were to lose any games, but they continue to win and hold on to that number three spot, which is great to see from them. Mm. It's always it's always good to see Atletico Madrid near the top and challenging Barcelona and Real Madrid for the number one spot. Yeah. But just like in the Premier League, Andy, we have a battle for relegation. We have five teams within three points of the relegation zone. The battle for relegation goes on in Spain. It's anyone's it's anyone's season to lose and drop down to the Segunda División. So mm-hmm. we will see how that goes. Yeah, man. I honestly, I can't imagine being a fan of one of those relegation teams <laughs> because 
I don't, honestly, I don't even look at the bottom because like that just gives me a lot of anxiety just seeing like how tight everything is. Yeah. And then you start counting who's played more games and who hasn't and then being like, ooh, what? Like, can we get a point at least in this game? Because for them, it's almost that you just want to get any sort of points, not just trying to get for a win where like we're in a different position where we have to keep winning three points to maintain our, maintain our pace. So it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, honestly, crazy. the only team at this point, Andy, that right now that's pretty much assured to go down is Elche because they only have 13 points on the season so far. Yikes. But the other two teams, Al- Almeria and Valencia, are at 26 points each, and there are five other teams within three points of them. So yeah. it, it's anyone's it's anyone's season to lose. I'm not even calling it going to call it to win. It's to lose, yeah. to go down, be relegated. So. Yeah, I'm surprised with Valencia. I know Valencia have had a... They've had a rough decade. Um, yes. Going back to when they hired Gary Neville as a manager, and now how he talks about that was the worst decision he's ever made <laughs> um, yeah. to to do that. So, and I think even David Moyes, David Moyes had a stint uh, down in uh, Valencia. I want to say too, um, or maybe it was Spain. It was a different one. But yeah, so sure, kind of kind of crazy to see that. Uh, yeah, yes. definitely fans fact check me uh, and definitely put that on. Uh, social media if i am wrong uh, i love to know when i am wrong um but yeah so craziness down in the craziness craziness in la liga not so much craziness at the top of serie a um napoli leads back up to 19 points with their win over torino um yeah it's looking pretty well done and dusted and napoli can maybe you know keep a nice look at both um serie a and the Champions League as they advance in there, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, in terms of the race for second, uh, Roma have unfortunately lost to Nazio. Uh, both teams actually got red cards in this game, uh, but it looks like uh, Lazio were able to get the victory over Ro- over um, Jose Mourinho's Roma uh, with a score of 1-0 with, uh, I think it's Mattia Zaccagni. Yeah. Sakanyi, uh, getting the winning goal for Lazio. Uh, moving from there, then Juventus ended up being, sorry, Juventus beat Inter uh, to add a little bit more of a gap in distance uh, in the race for second, bringing Juve into that squabble uh, that's happening up at the top. So we've got a race for second happening in Serie A. Back in the Premier League, uh, Arsenal, uh, Blitz Crystal Palace. Uh, Arsenal, Paul, this, they've passed the Crystal Palace test. I, <laughs> Crystal Palace is not doing super hot after they've, uh, just fired their manager, um, in, uh, Vieira, Patrick Vieira. But, you know, Arsenal are, they're sticking around and they're not just, yeah. they're not limping anymore. The past couple of games, they've, they've laid down the hammer. Yeah. Well, and as, as, I slash we have said all season, Andy, it really comes down to that that last matchup, the second second leg of the season between Manchester City and Arsenal because Manchester City still have a game in hand, but if they win that game, we'll be five points behind Arsenal. So if Arsenal were to lose that game, that lead shrinks to two, mm-hmm. and then we're looking at you know some potential sweating bullets for, for Arsenal. So right. I... As as we've said in the past, that is going to be the game that makes or breaks Arsenal season. If they manage to win or draw that game, I think Arsenal goes on to win. But if Manchester City wins, 
and Arsenal slip up, then mm-hmm. we could see another Manchester City win of the league. So Yeah, crazy. And I mean, Ar- Arsenal still have to face Liverpool again. Liverpool are up and down, but as we, as I have seen firsthand, all of a sudden <laughs> they can score however many goals. Uh, yes. Seven. Uh, seven? Was it seven? It was seven. Seven. I've okay. seen so many seven up memes, and I'm just, <laughs> you know what? I'm not having it. I'm moving to Sierra Mist or whatever they changed their name to. I'm done. Done with them. Um, so yeah, they still have that. I'm looking at their schedule, and it looks like the big names that they're facing are that and Man City. Yeah, yeah. Man City's second game of the week, and they end with uh, Chelsea as well. And Chelsea, you know, they're still in the hunt. They're still in the hunt for yeah. the Champions League, so they aren't yeah. all done and dusted. So, and they actually end. They, I think, end the season against Newcastle. Do they? No, they end against Brighton. I'm sorry. So they still have to face some pretty top name opposition uh, yeah. to see to see it out. And you know, we'll we'll see if they can do it. Because um, if they can yeah. do it, kudos to them. But yeah. As of right now, they're they're in the league or they're in the hunt. Yeah. Um, who is really not in the hunt is Ugh. uh their crosstown rival or their North London rival, excuse me, uh in Spurs. Um yeah. really interesting where Spurs have a multi goal lead against Southampton, bottom one of the bottom dwellers, Southampton. Uh the game ends three three and Conte, uh the manager for Spurs, Antonio Conte just absolutely lashes out at his club saying that the club is kind of the reason why this is happening with Tottenham kind of questioning, you know, this idea for like fighting for Tottenham. And it's kind of funny because, you know, as a United fan, that is something that's kind of in our lore. And when we think of Spurs as a team, that's like, you know, a, a decently sized club, but they're kind of easy pushovers. Like if you, if you make it hard for them, they can't win. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, ha- Seems to kind of be be happening again. It's funny that a manager now is also recognizing that. Um, so yeah, kind of a lot of lot of craziness happening uh, over in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So yeah. we'll see if even Conte's still around. To be honest, after what he said, I mean he won't by the end of the season. But he, I think he recognized that. And yeah, I don't he, think he wants to be in there. He's, he is, I mean, I I appreciate the honesty. Like. Eventually, you have to get to a point as a manager of, I can't just coddle this team. I can't coddle this fan base, these owners, upper management anymore. I, I got to say what I'm feeling. And he's being yeah. honest, and it's not like he's blasting them. He's just saying, like, hey, like no one wants to fight. And honestly, I kind of agree. If we were to see more fight, I think Tottenham yeah. would be fighting for, for more yeah. at the top of this table. So The, cra- the crazy thing is that... Conte has been able to have a lot of money with the Spurs team, and he's got yeah. a lot of the players that he's wanted and he's personally brought in to yeah. add that fight. Yeah. So, is he saying something about you know about the just the atmosphere maybe in Tottenham? Like, what is? It's kind of funny to then say that after he's brought in all his all his players too. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting where where he's at with this and what he's trying to say with it yeah um but i I think he's i think he's passing the buck honestly andy i think he's trying to pass some of the blame i think a lot of the blame goes to him too i think it goes all around i mean i think everyone deserves blame for sure yeah and yeah i think he's not he's not wrong in that there's probably something wrong with the club and that's what needs to be addressed uh but also maybe it's you know conte is also maybe a little bit a little bit past it uh but we'll see he's been able to stay there for a lot of years he's maybe been able to see the culture 
I'm trying to compare him to what Ten Hag's doing. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens uh happens there. So we'll wait and see. But also in the Premier League, like La Liga, six points, six teams, sorry, are within three points of the relegation zone. So lots of anxiety for yes. uh, at least a quarter of Premier well, League fans. Honestly, Andy, the the team that's shocking me that is in the relegation zone currently is West Ham, uh, a team that's a perennial mid mid tier mid table mm-hmm. team who has you know at times kind of threatened for the top four, not necessarily gotten too close, but has has looked dangerous right in years yeah. past, and they're looking like they they could go down to the championship, which is crazy to me. Yeah, I mean when you think of the money they spent for their stadium. And some of the players that they've been able to bring in when they've they've played, I think they were in the hunt for the Europa League too. I think are they even still are they still in the Europa League? Let me see. That's a great question. I don't even know. Let me see if they if they advanced uh, into it. I think so. They're in the quarterfinals. Yes. Yep, they're yes. still they're still in it. So they're competing on two yes. fronts. Um, most of them are facing Ghent. So they're competing on two fronts. You know, they might, it'll be, oh, that's a really interesting one. Do they, do they decide to continue on with Europa League or do they say, nope, we're trying to make sure we stay alive. So yeah. Very, or do they try to battle on both fronts and fail on both accounts? Right. Honestly, they're blowing bubbles all the time. So they might try because <laughs> they might try to dream and they know their dreams die. So it sounds yeah. like they're going to do go for both and unfortunately not, not meet. Um, <laughs> expectations uh yeah, another we'll team see. that's not meeting expectations paul uh psg yeah not yeah. s tier not even p tier not even no. g tier just no garbage tier garbage tier yeah uh, a 2-0 lackluster result against ren messi messi oh my gosh <laughs> messi gets booed I mean, by he's not the, looking the like himself fans. so you may call him a different name because he's not looking yeah. like messi yeah i mean i think he's checked out I think the whole team's checked out. I think they're shutting their season down because they have nothing to play for. What, another legal title? Great. They've won it, what, every year for the past, I don't even know how many years at this point. Yeah. Mbappe looked awful. He had a 6.2 rating. I mean, if you look at the ratings across the board here, Andy, you've got, you know, Bernat having a 5.9, Donnarumma having a 6.1, Danilo 6.5, like the midfield averaging like a a 6.8. Like Messi was the only one who had an eight, you know, he didn't even have any stats to his name. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think Messi's checked out. I think Messi's like, I'm done with this club. I don't think he's coming back at the end of this year. There are talks that he could go back to Barcelona or go to the MLS. I mean, I think he's, he's ready to move on. And, you know, as we've talked about without Neymar, PSG mm-hmm. just aren't the same team. Yeah. And that's showing. And I think, they're just fighting to to hold on to their chances to to have a Ligon title, but it's going to be a hollow victory, hollow victory for them for sure. Yeah, yeah, because you're kind of thinking you would think as a team that has won consistent titles that they're almost like on par with the Bayern Munich, where Bayern Munich, you know, when you face them in the Champions League, they're always contenders in the Champions League because they're they're solid. They're a solid team built through and through. Solid midfield defense is compact and attacking you have in their attack you have to you have to respect their attack so when you see a team like psg have that similar level of success in recent terms with bayern munich 
you're just kind of wondering like how is that how is there not more of a a winning mentality to get past their their hurdles and maybe it's yeah. you know maybe it's they've gone too too sparkling too much on the blockbuster and trying to get the fancy players as opposed to getting the players that you know are going to put into fight and put in those consistent performances yeah um yeah yeah, uh, yeah i don't i think that's i know no i think that's a great point i think that's that's it i think they just have they have they have stars and i don't think they have a team yeah yeah, and speaking from a team that's had only stars and is only now starting to figure out that you need a defensive midfielder and an actual defender who can pass and defend, um, what hap- like what happens to a team that just goes all superstars? You know, they they lack su- like substance. So yeah, yeah, we'll we'll yeah. see with PSG. We we'll see what happens. Really, it's kind of an, seems to me like it's going to be at the summer that a big thing is going to happen with PSG. But yeah. f- until then, it's going to be going to be a waiting game. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's move on to a little bit of happier times, uh, depending mm-hmm. on who you support. Uh, Champions League, Andy. We have Liverpool. They had a steep mountain to climb, could not overcome the Real Madrid avalanche, as it were. Yeah. Ended up losing 6-2 on aggregate. Honestly, Real Madrid outside of La Liga have looked very good and mm-hmm. are going to be a tough out coming up in this final eight of the Champions League. And another team that's going to be a tough out, Andy, is Manchester City, who completely, utterly dominate Leipzig 7-0. We have a Holland five-piece in the game in 58, 59 minutes. Yeah, I, it just uh, amazing performance. I mean, I think, you know, some haters might say that he got lucky with the ball bouncing to him in a couple of areas. But, hey, goal scorers know where to stand. They know where to be. Mm-hmm. They know where the ball is going to be at. And it, for him to get five goals in less than 60 minutes is amazing. It is It is a skill to be in the right place at the right time, no, ma- no matter where. In soccer, like in playing soccer, knowing what places to be around in case of those happening. You know, it's kind of like in baseball and defense where you have to know kind of the tendencies and you've got to position yourself in the right place to be able to make those plays. So yeah. that's that's just very astute from, from Erling Holland with that. Yeah. Yeah. Just really, really scary that City's turning that on, turning that At on this, now in the, in the yeah. Champions League. Yeah. 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 But just a, a quick stat here for you, Andy. You know I'm all about the stats. Oh, Holland yes. is one of three players now to score five goals in a knockout game of the Champions League. He he did need a penalty to do it, so Messi's record of five goals in a Champions League knockout game without a penalty is still intact. But he is just one of three players to do it. And fun fact, both Holland and Messi did it against a Bundesliga club. So that's that's pretty funny. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny to think about if it's that given what Germany did to Brazil when they seven won them. Yes. Um, yeah. Very, very interesting. So now, so now we got our final, our final eight teams for our quarterfinals. Yes. So we have Inter Milan versus Benfica. So we have Italian versus Portuguese. I realize we never covered Portu- Portugal, and they're the second Iberian country. Um, so maybe we have to add that in for our Portuguese <laughs> fans. Um. We have another Italian uh, fest of Napoli and uh, AC Milan, on, and that's they're all on one side. On the other yes. side, you have Chelsea and Real Madrid going yeah. at it again. 
and you have Bayern Munich versus Manchester City. So you have a final or semi-final matchup really on in Bayern Munich versus Man City. Yes. A potential potential one from Chelsea and Real Madrid. Yes. But oh geez. Yeah. Yeah. Like what, what? Yeah, what's going yeah, what's going what's going through your head with this draw? I I think it's very unfair in my opinion. I I think here's what I think needs to happen with the Champions League, Andy. I think they need to structure the tournament like the World Cup. Okay. Where I think they have to set it up where the teams are instead of a random drawing like they have, I think mm-hmm. they need to set it up where they they match up the teams based on their rankings in the world, right? And or rate their rankings in Europe because it's the European Championship. Okay. And based on how you finish in your group, that determines where you go in the bracket, in the 16-team bracket, not an 18-team bracket, right? Yeah. And then if you don't perform as well in the league, you might get put on the harder side of the uh, of the draw, right? Sure. This this whole random draw thing, I think, is is ridiculous, and I think it really screws teams like Bayern Munich, like Man City, like Real Madrid, where you're putting mm-hmm. you're being put against a harder per, harder opponent just because of a random draw. Yeah. Right? Like I think the disparity between the two sides, and it's not even like you can look at it as you know the who is the better team, who's like what's the stronger side. You have three Italian teams on one side of the bracket. How in right. the world do you do that? Like that's right. ridiculous. Right. Well, because yeah, because then Ben if Benfica advances, they have an opportunity. Yeah, if Benfica or either Napoli and or no everyone like they're going to face anyone who advances has to face another Italian team to get through. Yeah. Um, Maybe it might help in Italy's perspective. If you're an Italian perspective, you're kind of liking this because based on how an Italian team is able to advance into the quarterfinals or semifinals, that may improve your score for then maybe as opposed to having, you know, three uh, teams in the Champions League, you might like get to go to four teams. So it works in that end, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you in that. You know, you're starting to see matchups because you're starting to see matchups that are imbalanced. Because also, I think you have to factor in travel too. Where yeah. if you're going to make teams travel so much distance as a better team, if you've done kind of well in your group, it is, I think, right and or I think it is fair that then you don't necessarily have to travel as much because you know, as you're kind of going through and based on like your your scoring there that should maybe have precedent in there. The only other thing I could see with that is then you might have imbalances and more potential repeats in champions leagues. But Mm -hmm. I I don't, I don't know. I don't necessarily know, but I'm, I am with you in that there seems a bit of an imbalance here where you're going to have a much weaker side coming up against a much stronger side. And as we've seen in past examples, sometimes the weaker side ends up getting into the champions, like a champions league final. And is able to to nick it in penalties. So, you know, yeah. I don't know if you're getting the best the best soccer out of it. Yeah, I mean that remains to be seen. But I think I think the the Champions League, I think UEFA has to take a hard look at themselves and you know restructure this in the future. I yeah. think the, I think a change has to be made personally. Yeah, I I think in this in this instance, I definitely agree. Where yeah. I think it needs. It's just a little too lopsided, uh, given where, where everything's at. So Yeah, definitely. All right. So I know in the Europa League, uh, I know we touched upon it. Uh, 
and earlier with West Ham and Manchester United. Um, but they're the Champions League, so we're not going to give too much airtime. Besides, just want to <laughs> let everybody know that Arsenal is now not in the Europa League. So this may yep. either help or hurt their chances in the Premier League because um, they bow out to sporting on penalties. So on one hand, probably better for Arsenal because now they don't have to worry and can start resting now. Yeah. But if you're able to bounce out of sporting, does sporting now have a blueprint on how to um, how to mess with Arsenal? So remains to be seen. But we have yeah. now we got to our next point in our podcast um, where we have to say who's going to win this week. If it's going to be Barcelona, Manchester United, or is it going to be a draw? Paul, after your uh, El Clasico win, how, where do you put this put this down to? I've got Barcelona. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm high on Barcelona. They're they're coming on strong at the right time in the season. I've got Barcelona winning. I think it would be a two nil victory unless they had another freak own goal. So I I'm yeah. just I'm going Barcelona. Okay. I think it. I think the same. I think it's Barcelona's in this week, unless yeah. we get some lucky VAR to happen, <laughs> and then if you guys can self implode, yes, um, maybe that can maybe that can happen. But yeah, that's the only way I see. That's the only way I see it now. With, yeah, I don't. I don't see a Fulham implosion coming on if they if they were to play again. So nah, nah, I don't think so. You guys have an actual. You have more of a team and composure, <laughs> <laughs> which this Fulham team show that they they did not have. Yes. Um, so yes. Paul. Who is your your super sub of the week? Well, Andy, I think for a first time ever in in the the time that we've been doing this podcast, we actually agree on a super sub of the week, and it's it's Franck Kessier. I mean, coming mm-hmm. on late in the game, getting the winner in El Clasico and a huge win for Barcelona over Real Madrid in the title race. Yeah, you know, it's for first for a first La Liga goal. It doesn't get much better than that. No, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. And what this goal means for for that game, what it means for the fans, what it means for Frank Kessier, what it means for uh, the club, and what it means in the grand scheme of world soccer, it still remains to be seen. So Frank Kessier has uh, put his pen to paper on yes. history. So yeah. really, congrats to him. And honestly, could could save him, you know, still being a, a below ground outcome the next season. I mean, yeah, you know, everyone's going to look back at that moment and be like, oh yeah, he should be in the team for yeah, sure. Definitely, definitely, that could yeah. win him, win over more hearts and minds. Yes. So you know, with that being said, we always there's always a dud for every sub. There is a dud. Yes. Who do yes. we have as our our dud for you, Paul? Oh man, I mean, where to begin? I mean, PSG's <laughs> performance against Rennes, we can go Arsenal losing on penalties to Sporting. You know, Arsenal was looking as one of the hottest teams in European football. Mm-hmm. But my real super dud is going to be Munas Dabur for Hoffenheim, who came on in the 69th minute and immediately got a straight red in the 71st, you know, oh, in man. a game that didn't really matter because Hoffenheim was already up 2-1 and they ended up scoring a third late on in the game. But like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, just <laughs> Charging out with like your head, your head cut off. Oh gosh! Honestly, it reminds me of Steven Gerrard when this was still the Van Hall era of United, where Steven Gerrard was nearing the end of his playing career at Liverpool, and he comes on the second half um, of the derby, and in the span of two minutes, gets two yellows um, and is sent off, and so we ended up uh, cruising to victory. Uh, over uh, over Anfield. Um, yeah. So 
Sounds like a little bit like that. It's just absolute pandemonium is happening uh, this week where people just getting red cards left and right, banging in goals, uh, late ask, late goals. Oh, man, what a, what a time to be alive uh, for sports this week. Yeah, I mean, it, it pandemonium describes it. I think that's going to be the uh, the title of our of our podcast this week. But who is the the pandemonium team for your super dud, Andy? Oh, for for me, I am just going to go with Fulham, just to <laughs> just to lose their absolute mind in four minutes, and you know, oh gosh, to really yeah, to really put a stamp on stamp on things for their chance to go to Wembley for the first time in like. 40, 50 years, you know, yeah. oh, come on. You gotta, you gotta keep your heads, you know, just feel bad for the fans. They kept showing a uh, little kid or younger fans. And it's like, you know, you don't want them to lose that lesson, learn that lesson of why to keep your head because, you know, your players as grown adults can't control their emotions. You know? <laughs> yeah. God, looking like 10 year olds. Yeah. Out there. Honestly, God help all those Fulham parents where they have to try to <laughs> find another way to be like, calm yourself down son yeah. or son or daughter. Oh goodness me. Oh, so man. with, with that, that comes to the end of the podcast. Thank you guys for joining on a, another hour long one, as much as we promised for a half hour, you know, <laughs> we want to give you another hour just for free. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. As if it's not already free. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> with that freebie, please enjoy, uh, the rest of your week. Uh, I have been Andy. Paul has been Paul. And with that, I am wishing all of our super subs listeners a big old bye. Bye. And go green. Go white, baby.